God is at work through His local church and through the teaching of His Word. This morning on MyBridge Radio, we are pleased to share a favorite message from Carney E. Free. Here's Pastor Adrian Boykin. I love a really good hike. And there's some huge mountains here in Nebraska. I love a really, really good hike up a really challenging mountain. There's something about like the majesty and the rigor of it that just kind of agrees with my soul. And um, I like to collect uh, trail maps as I go different places. And uh, this is a, a trail map of Rocky Mountain National Park, which is one of my favorite places to go visit and to hike. And inside this, you can't see all the details, but... Uh, this is kind of a keepsake trail map at this point because I've highlighted different trails that I've hiked there over the years. And then I make note of other ones that I'd like to go hike there in the years to come. And uh, this is a helpful map because it shows like some elevation gain along the way. It shows some streams that you're gonna have to pass on your hikes. It even gives you some information about wildlife that you might encounter along the way. Be good to know that there might be some moose or some bears or some mountain lions. So there's, there's a lot of good information in a trail map. But you know, a trail map cannot hold a candle to a really good trail guide. If you get a really good trail guide, who's been on a really tough 14er, for example, they can tell you not just how much elevation change you might be dealing with, they'll tell you when the elevation change begins to get dangerous. They'll tell you where is the most narrow place to cross the streams so you're not all wet while you're hiking. Like a good trail guide could tell you not just that there's mountain lions and bears in the national park, they'll tell you where they are. And whether the bears in the national park have developed a taste for human food. You see, a good trail map, while it's really beneficial, can't really hold a candle to a good trail guide because a trail guide has been up the mountain before and so they're able to reveal to you things that are coming which will be difficult that you're not yet thinking about yourself. It seems to me that many churches have lots and lots of trail maps, but not nearly enough trail guides. You know what I'm saying? Many, many churches have all kinds of trail maps. We got like video series upon video series on how to follow Jesus from the best teachers and the most charismatic leaders all across America. And we have all kinds of books telling us how to follow Jesus. And we have different seminars. And and each of those things are helpful, kind of like a trail map is helpful. But what we lack oftentimes in the church today, the broader church really across America, I notice as I talk to pastors, is we lack disciple makers who would be reproducers, who would be able to say, hey, come and follow me because I've been up this mountain before. Today as we look to 1 Corinthians chapter four, we're gonna encounter a man. We've been talking about him as we've gone through this book. His name is the Apostle Paul and He is unafraid to take up the mantle of being a trail guide. He is unafraid to say, come on, you can follow me. Because I've been on this path before, I've been walking on this path for a number of years now, and I know some of the challenges that are coming before us, and I'm not afraid to invite you, even though I am far from perfect myself, I'm not afraid to invite you to come and follow me. First Corinthians chapter four, starting this morning at verse eight, and we'll go through verse 21. I hope you feel liberty to mark up your Bible with me as we read. 
Already you have all that you want. Already you have become rich, Paul tells the Corinthians. You have begun to reign, and that without us. How I wish that you really had begun to reign so that we also might reign with you. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession like those condemned to die in the arena. We have all been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to human beings. What Paul has in mind here as he's talking about a spectacle is the Roman procession where people who are condemned to, condemned to die go into uh, face the gladiators and face the lions and they made a spectacle before people. He says that's us, the apostles, and that was indeed the apostles in the first century. We've been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to human beings. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. Do you take just a little bit of sarcasm here based on our study of 1 Corinthians? I hope you do. Paul is being sarcastic with his church here when he calls them wise, when he calls them strong. He's actually quite upset with his church because of their arrogance, which we will get into here in a moment. You are honored, we are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags, we are brutally treated, we are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we're persecuted, we endure it. When we're slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this present moment. I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even as you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I've sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He'll remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Some of you have become arrogant, as if I were not coming to you, but I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing, and then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have, for the kingdom of God is not about talk, but of power. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline, or shall I come to you in love and with a gentle spirit? So Paul's singular point in this entire passage is, you can imitate me. Everything that he's saying there in the entire passage boils down to this, you can imitate me. As I go about following Christ in everything, I would invite you to follow my example. The word for imitate there in the Greek language, which the New Testament is written in, is mimesis. And mimesis is what we get the word mimic from in English. It's also what we get the word mime from in English. You think of a mime imitating someone perfectly. And so also we are invited to mimic Paul, he says here. We are invited to mimic him as he would mimic Christ. He's saying that I've walked this road before I've gone through some of the difficult valleys. I've been up to the difficult rivers and the various boulders that you're going to encounter on the way of following Christ. I know a thing or two about this really difficult long journey toward Christ, and I would invite you to follow me. Now, for us here today, do you know that you're a leader? 
you're a leader. You may be a leader of one, and that's okay. You're responsible at the very least for leading yourself, right? In all likelihood, you're a leader of more than one person. You probably also are a leader of a couple kids, or maybe grandkids, or one or two people in your life group, or in your neighborhood, or your workplace who look up to you. All of us are leaders today, amen? You're a leader today, whether you think of yourself that way or not, would you embrace the mantle of leadership? That's the question. What Paul's gonna do here in this passage, what I wanna communicate here for the remainder of the message is a few different ways that we can grasp the mantle of leadership and take more seriously what it would look like to become a trail guide for a few others. Again, there's lots and lots of trail maps, but what we need today in the church is trail guides. Here's the first one. A great trail guide has a desire, has a desire to lead followers toward Christ. It's this burning desire in us who follow Christ that we would be able to lead others, first ourselves, and then perhaps one or two other people as the Lord would give to us, maybe many more, a desire to help them follow Christ as they are following us. That we would lead people more and more toward Christ. And this, my friends, is what the Apostle Paul wants the most. He wants his followers to grow up. He wants his church to begin to look more and more like Jesus Christ. You see it throughout this passage, verse 14, he says, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you. I want to warn you to follow Christ more and more, to be aware of your arrogance, which is getting you down as a church family in Corinth. I'm writing to warn you. Verse 15, he goes on to say, you've had many guardians in Christ. That is, you have various acquaintances who might speak to you about your spiritual life or seek to provide guidance in your life, but you have only one spiritual father. Now, Paul's not bragging there. He's simply stating the truth that he was their spiritual father. He was the one who started this church in Corinth, and he's the one that introduced many of the people in this little church that probably would have been about 50 people there in Corinth. He was the one that introduced many of them to the gospel of Christ for the very first time. And these folks in this church, well, would have embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ, of the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, which freely forgives them of their sins, regenerates them, gives them new life, and then brings them into God's family with all the privileges and benefits therein. They embrace that gospel, and Paul's bringing them back to that center and saying, you embrace the gospel through the word that I gave to you. I delight to be your spiritual father. Would you please listen to me? That's what he's saying. He goes on, he says, because of this, I'm... I'm urging you to imitate me. As I have followed Christ, I urge you to imitate me. He goes on in chapter 11 and states it even more explicitly. Here it says, therefore I urge you to imitate me. In chapter 11 he says, imitate me as as I imitate Christ, right. So anyone who's a spiritual guide who's inviting you to follow them, the key is, are they following Christ? He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And then he says, I'm I'm gonna send to you Timothy. I can't be with you right now, but I'm gonna send to you my disciple, my young son, Timothy, and he will come and he will teach you the same things that I taught you before and he'll demonstrate my way of life to you as together we seek to follow Christ. And what's kind of fascinating here is Paul sends Timothy is Timothy was a really young man. Uh, Timothy would later on, about a decade after this, he would become the pastor of the church in Ephesus, Greece, another city in Greece. 
And as he's the pastor there, Paul writes to him two different times in First and Second Timothy, and he's the pastor there at probably age 30 in Ephesus. He's the lead pastor there. Now this is 10 years prior to that. Paul says, I'm sending to you Timothy, and he will be a great example to you. Young ladies, young fellows, we're looking to you, okay? Like, it doesn't matter what age you are. You don't have to be an old fogey like me to be an example for Christ. This is for all of us. And so we oftentimes need to look to the young people, even amongst us, though, that they would step up and be leaders for Christ more and more. We desperately need them to be examples for Christ for us, and we all need to take up that mantle as well. It goes on after that. Uh, Paul kind of concludes, well, with a number of questions here. In verse 21, he says, What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline? Or shall I come to you in love with a gentle spirit? Which one would you prefer that I come to you with? Classic dad question, right? You want the rod of discipline or you want love and a gentle spirit? What do you think I want, dad? Now, Paul's point here is I'm, doing to, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I want this so much for you that you would join me on the journey of following Christ more and more that I'll come to you with toughness at times or I'll come to you with tenderness at times. The rod of discipline, if necessary, or gentleness and love, if necessary, as a good father always does. You see, Paul's singular aim was to help people become reproducers for the cause of Christ. Paul would want to take spiritual seekers, maybe you're in the room today and you're just asking questions about Jesus, and that's great, we're so glad that you're here. You may not know what we're talking about here though that much as we open up the Bible, that's fine. Come as long as you like in that place and keep on seeking, keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on asking questions. We want that. People are at every stage of development in this room. And what Paul would do is take these who are spiritual seekers and say, your doubts are welcome. That's fine to have doubts. But my hope is that you would come to know the death and the resurrection of Christ for you. You come to be believers in Christ. And out of that, I don't want you just to be believers in Christ. My hope is that you move forward to becoming reproducers for Christ. Those who would say, I imitate Christ, and because he was constantly reproducing, I also am a reproducer for the cause of Christ. The good news of Jesus doesn't stop with us, amen? The good news of Jesus is supposed to go through us and on to others. And friends, this is really what we're about here. Like you think about our mission statement at Carnegie Free, I'll put it up on the, on, on, on the screen here, and this is what we're about as a church family. We are building a transformational community by growing in love with Christ and all people. Now the key word there is transformation. We want to see change. We don't want to stay the same, do we? We want to change and be more and more like Christ. This is what we're after here, is to build a transformational community by growing in love with Christ and all people. We also need these kinds of trail guides. We need trail guides who expect pain and are able to persevere through that pain. Okay, like the Bible does not promise us a panacea, does it? The Bible promises us in Christ that we will have pain. Look at verses 11 through 14. 
To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we're cursed, we bless. When we're persecuted, we endure it. When we're slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this present moment. Not exactly the most glamorous portrait of ministry, is it? If you want to become a pastor or a missionary, I promise you, it is not for the faint of heart. I promise you that. In fact, I would say, don't become a pastor or a missionary if there's anything else that you think is more important than exalting Christ and making his name known. If you think that's the most important thing and you believe that God might be calling you to that, then by all means, go after it. But you won't be able to do it if you don't believe exalting Christ and making his name known is the most important thing in the world. Because it's incredibly exhilarating to be in full-time ministry, but at other times, I'm just telling you, it's not that fun. Now, when I read a passage like this, I gotta admit, I feel like such a wimp. Like when I think of our brothers and sisters overseas, when I think of what the Apostle Paul and what the early apostles and other followers of Christ dealt with as they pursued Christ, well, when I think of our brothers and sisters who are serious about following Christ in places like Turkey and the Middle East and India and in China, and increasingly also in places in the West, like France and Ireland and many, many other nations in the the West that used to be nations that had lots and lots of Christians. Increasingly, they are experiencing exactly what the Apostle Paul is writing about here, that they are thought of as the scum of the earth, which is like a much bigger deal than high gas prices, right? Like this should remind us to pray for these folks, pray for the persecuted church, around the world. And for us, the warning here is, if we are constantly striving for comfort or prosperity or a life of pleasure, if that's what you are striving for, you will not be able to be a good trail guide for Christ. You just won't be able to. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have some comfort or prosperity or pleasure, but if that's what is like your heart's content, If that's what you're striving for, you won't be able to be a good trail guide for Christ. Because good trail guides for Christ anticipate pain and then they endure it because they know they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. Good trail guides for Christ practice self-restraint. Self-restraint. They live beneath their means so that they can give more to others and to the cause of Christ in the world. They practice self-control when other people insult them. Great trail guides for Christ will anticipate these kinds of things. When we are cursed, we bless. Can you do that? When you're cursed, you bless. Yes, you can, through the power of Jesus Christ in you, you can. If you're living in and through the power of the Holy Spirit every day, leaning into his love, receiving his love, and then living from his love, you can exchange blessing for insult. When we're cursed, we bless. When we're persecuted, we endure it. When we're slandered, we answer kindly. And friends, those who are serious followers of Christ simply expect those things, and they operate in a different way when they come. We we don't see people as enemies, Like other people might see us as enemies, but we don't see anyone as enemies. The moment you see someone as an enemy, you can't reach them. 
You realize that, right? Like, if you think of Democrats as enemies, you won't be able to reach them for the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you think of Republicans as enemies, you won't be able to reach them for the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you think of, of other people on other sides of our various cultural divides in our country today, I promise you all you will do is argue with them. You will not reach them for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's just the way it is. If you see people as enemies, you will not love people. When we're slandered, we answer with kindness. This is the way a trail guide lives. It's just very different than the rest of the world. And we would anticipate these kinds of things would happen to us because we consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance, when you experience pain and you persevere through it, makes you mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Perseverance will finish its work in you so that you be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. We expect pain We expect ugliness from this world, but by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we persevere through that pain. And when you see someone that you're looking up to live in that way, it's powerful to motivate you in a way that a book or a video never could be. Number three, a great trail guide does this. A great trail guide is this. He or she is a humble servant. Really, chapters one through four of 1 Corinthians is all about this contrast between prideful and powerful leadership on one hand, which is being displayed by the Corinthian church. It's all about their pride. It's all about their power. It's about their lust to be in power. That's what's going on in 1 Corinthians one through four, contrasted with the example of the apostle Paul and the other apostles, which is the example of servant leadership. It's humble service. That's why at the beginning of chapter four, Paul says, this is how you ought to regard all of us as servants of Christ and as those who are entrusted with the mysteries that God has revealed. Regard me as merely a servant. That's all I am, Paul says. This is a really, really big deal in Greek culture. The Greeks did not value servants. There were leaders, there were teachers, there were rulers, and there were servants. And if you were a servant, you were less than, to which Paul says, that is all I am. That's all I am, I'm a servant. The Greeks likewise didn't believe in like working with your hands if you were a teacher or a philosopher or a leader. That was considered beneath the level of a good teacher. A good teacher shouldn't ever work with his hands. And Paul says, I happily get my hands dirty with you. The Greeks elevated one teacher over another teacher. I'm with Apollos, I'm with Paul, I'm with Peter. I'm with the most charming, the most eloquent, the wittiest flavor of the month in the church. To which the apostle Paul says, I resolve to know nothing among you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's all I I decide to know amongst you. Don't identify yourself with me. You can follow me. By all means, you're welcome to follow me, but don't identify with me. Identify with Christ because we know nothing but but, but Christ and him crucified. The true spiritual leader is a humble servant. That's why the scriptures tell us repeatedly, not once, but twice, God literally opposes the proud. So nobody calls themselves proud, but like, if you're prideful in your spirit, you need to look in the mirror, and you need to do business with God. 
because he will oppose it. Maybe you won't experience his opposition today, but I promise you, you will experience his opposition one day. It's a promise. God opposes the proud, but conversely, he shows favor. He shows blessing. He shows grace. He showers gifts upon the humble. And we all should be humble when we recognize the greatness of God and our own smallness compared to the greatness of God. Like the natural articulation of our heart should be, he must increase, I must become less. These are examples to follow. In someone that we would follow as a great trail guide, like they're humble. Deep at a heart level, they know they're not much. And they're able to endure pain. And what they want from me most is not to be converted to their way of thinking, it's to be converted to Christ. That's what they want the most, is for me to grow and to follow Christ above everything. So let me just close out here with a couple application questions. First question is this. Are you a person worth imitating? Seriously. Like online, in your life group, in your neighborhood, are you a person worth imitating? And to whatever extent you're not worth imitating, you just bring that to Jesus. And you say, Lord Jesus, I admit to you, I'm not worth imitating in this area. I'm asking you to transform my character in this area. And I have those areas too. We all do. Every single one of us. And to regularly come before God and say, I am not worth imitating by my own children in this area of life. And I confess that to you, O oh God. What is it for you? Question number two. Do you have a trail guide? Do you have one or two trail guides in your life that you look up to and you say, at least in some area of life, they're a little bit further down the road than I am and I want to follow them as they follow Christ? And this, my friends, is the reason that we emphasize life groups as much as we do because we all, we all have only so much relational bandwidth and hopefully through a life group, we would develop one or two trail guides that are a little bit further along than we are in certain areas of life and we would see their way of life and we'd begin to emulate that. I'm so thankful in my life group, like there's this guy who is just so excited. He works for a larger company in town and he is so excited to tell people about Jesus Christ whenever he gets the opportunity to do so. And he always does it with a hopefulness in his voice and if they're not interested in Christ anymore, he loves them all the same. And he's seen many people come to Christ in his workplace as a result of the way he has so lovingly testified to them about the hope that he has in Jesus Christ. He's an example for me. There's another man in my life group who has persevered through pain for like 13 years. He's, perse he's persevered through a lot of personal and family pain and even the pain of injustice. And he always has a smile on his face as he goes through it. And he always recognizes that Jesus is above it all and I trust in Christ through it all and he is a trail guide for me on how to do that. There's a couple in our group that are so amazing at hospitality, at bringing strangers in and people from different backgrounds and different belief structures and bringing us into a life group where we all can feel safe and warm and welcomed and to grow together right where we are. Those guys are tremendous trail guides for me on hospitality. And I need them, I look up to them, that I become more like Christ by following them. There's just this recognition that we all need to come to, that Sunday morning is good, but Sunday morning ain't enough, right? Sunday morning ain't enough. We need a small group community. We need a choose community. And within that small group community, maybe today you'd fill out a connection card, you go out to the life group kiosk, and you say, today is the day that I will commit to entering into community with the prayer that perhaps I could find a couple others that I could look up to on this journey toward Christ that like 
is way more difficult than any 14er, right? Way more difficult than any 14er is following Christ across all of life. So I need a few examples that would say to me, Adrian, come on, follow me as I follow Christ. Thank you for joining us this morning for a favorite message from Pastor Adrian Boykin from Carney E. Free. If you'd like to hear this message again or more like it, check out Heard On Air on the MyBridge Radio app or online at mybridgeradio.net.